Good evening and welcome to today's podcast from Equine Devil's Advocate. Yes, follow-up Friday yet again. Hope you've all had a great and productive week with your horses and actually everything else for that matter. And I also hope you have had the same glorious weather that we have had. It did take a little turn for the worst yesterday. It sort of rained. I was like, ugh, it's raining. Why? Almost forgotten what rain was like. And yes, just a teeny tad today. But hey, it's so easy to forget that it's actually February. <gasps> oh no, it's not. It's actually March. I have to correct myself there. So, things could be way, way worse. You know, March can be so unpredictable. Snow, hail, minus temperatures, fog, damp, sunny, spring-like. Always a surprise with the weather. And then, of course, what did I hear not but a few moments ago? Storm Freya is on her way, apparently, for this weekend. Dear, oh dear, let's hope we come out unscathed. Anyway, on to today. Today's topic, which of course was the answer to the question from Monday's podcast. Does one a practice, practice, practice? Leave well alone till next time or a little and often. And of course today is the day where we take a listen to your correspondence. But before we delve into your replies, I did actually just want to discuss the matter of lessons and training just a little bit more. You see, I think it's a very interesting thing in the horse world how lessons have developed and almost very much become the done thing to do and to have. And you may well say, well, of course, and so it should be. But I'm not actually referring to from complete beginner to a reasonably competent rider, as that would, of course, be a difficult endeavour without instructional help. But if one thinks about it, Lessons have developed, instruction has developed and become more accessible in a phenomenal way since, well, goodness, I don't actually really know how far back do we have to go in history to find out. Now, you see, the interesting thing is there are cultures that were and are still renowned for being natural horsemen. Their lives would have revolved around large roaming herds of horses. And I think one tends to assume that there would have been a natural affinity within these people from birth with their horses. And lessons, would they have had them? Would they have needed them? And, you know, I've often wondered, probably such a bizarre thought, um, strange things do go through my head from time to time, but I've often wondered, in these cultures, would there have been such a thing as a, a not very good rider? 
you know, a, a bad rider as opposed to a naturally brilliant rider and horseman, would they have existed within the same community? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? I haven't delved deep into the history books to find out if such things were actually documented. Perhaps I would have to ensconce myself in the Bodleian Library for two months and I could find something. But perhaps you have. Perhaps you've read something to that effect or you have some knowledge to that effect. It would be really interesting if you would let us know. But it is fascinating to think that there was a time when horses were probably the most essential part of everyday life. You know, they were transport, they were work, they were working with us in everything that we did daily. And pretty much everyone rode, whether it be three kids bareback to school or a doctor going to his patients. Pretty much everyone some, of course, did drive carriages, but were there lessons? Did people have to have lessons to start and begin, or did it just happen as part of a daily life? We can assume that sort of correct tutelage, certainly in this country, was, of course, for the nobility, side saddle in particular, for the ladies, for the hunting field. But was there such a thing as a, a fearful side saddle rider, somebody that got anxious and nervous and pressurised herself? I don't know. Or found it very difficult or couldn't stay in balance? I don't know. But it's an interesting concept. So, it strikes me that, I could be wrong, but the learning, training journey at that time would probably have been initiated more by one's job by being in employment and probably under the um what's the word that i would use under the management perhaps of an experienced respected horseman which again probably would have been a position that would have been handed down through the same family for generation after generation after generation. And so one would presume that that is how somebody became skilled and recognised. But what if they didn't? What if they couldn't? Was that just something that happened and nobody thought anything of it? Or did they have to work harder at it? Or could they actually find a way to learn more? under the tutelage of someone else. I don't know. I do have a notion that there's also an alternative route into this sort of sphere of learning, and that would have been something along the lines of being so attracted, so mesmerised and taken with the majestic beauty of such horses as the Lipizzanas of Vienna. And assuming one would have had the means and the wherewithal to say, I want to do that, I want to learn that, I want a horse that knows how to do that, or I want my horse to learn how to do that. There might have been an avenue to actually learn. 
interesting, is it not? But somewhere along this journey through history to now, lessons have become widespread, and yeah, absolutely, the done thing. It's almost frowned upon if one doesn't have lessons. There is an enormous choice of trainers, coaches, and a greater number of people of more experience, more knowledge than whichever level any one of us is actually at. And, largely speaking, they are all available, and they put themselves forward to teach. But also, what they teach is so variable. It is so different. The information imparted is sometimes as variable as chalk and cheese. So, could this be why sometimes in this learning journey it goes awfully, awfully wrong? And also, is it because by making this knowledge so widespread and so available, we've actually lost, or discarded, or bypassed the horsemen of the past, those that would have been revered for their knowledge? Or there is a school of thought that says those true horsemen and women of modern times are. Actually, the people that find it very, very difficult to convey the information, their knowledge and their experience, into words that everyone else can understand. Not everyone can teach. It's true. More food for thought. And. You see, I think this is exactly why we all agree it is vital to find the person that can get that knowledge into the head of the pupil in a way that makes sense, and of course, in a way that truly is in the best interests of the relevant horse. They have to hold that all-important key, otherwise. It goes horribly, horribly wrong. Now, learning, training, being trained, training your horse is all about learning a feel, a feel that is imparted from your trainer in words to you, and then transferred through you to your horse, or just from you to your horse if you're training. Your horse, but was also really, really important, and not so often mentioned, perhaps with the exception of a schoolmaster scenario. The knowledge of the horse, that feel that the horse already has, and that feel that it transfers to you, the rider, and. Even with a schoolmaster scenario, there is still an overriding tendency to want to ride that horse, ride that horse in such a way that you are still the giver of the instruction rather than the receiver. 
something we would very much like to discuss further at another time. But for now, I will leave you with those interesting thoughts. And if you have ensconced yourself in the Bodleian Library at some point and do know more about this, please do tell. Let us know. So, let's have a listen to your correspondence from Monday's question. Here's one from Camp Coya. I had a lesson with my horse yesterday, having missed a couple of sessions for various unrelated reasons. We had not done enough work in the meantime and had slightly got out of the mindset too. As a consequence, we were not ready to progress to new work as planned, as we needed a little bit of fixing first. However, the lesson was great and he felt wonderful. Now, for me, I think it is the discipline of a regular expert eye on the ground that keeps me up to scratch and helps me achieve my goals. If we don't practice, it shows. If left to my own devices, maybe I don't put quite the same amount of effort into my work. Let's face it, dressage is hard. And here we have one from the camp of hot stuff. This person says, I practice what I have learnt in a lesson as much as I can before my next lesson. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing as I put so much pressure on myself and my horse, but I can't help it as I am desperate to prove to myself and everyone around me that I'm good enough and I can train my horse correctly. Everyone will know when I've had a lesson because I score so much, which isn't great as I'm, again, putting too much pressure on my horse and not giving her enough downtime. I get a bit obsessive about getting things right, so I feel that the more I practice, the better we will become, although I know this isn't always the case. However, I feel that striving to want something so much and wanting to work so hard at something does give me its positives and it does give me something to work towards. So thank you for that. Your correspondence is much appreciated. And I just want to add, you know, it's really, really important for all of us to find just the right balance, really. You know, the right balance for you and your horse, wherever you're at, so not to overcook it and not to undercook it. Um, and we all have different levels of what is overcooked and what is undercooked. So it has to be finding the balance that is rewarding, but also that takes you forward in your journey. And I totally agree. I think the eyes on the ground are invaluable. So on that note, please do join us here at Equine Devil's Advocate. We are, of course, on Podbean, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or our website, www.equinedevilsadvocate.com, this coming Monday, for further tales of Captain Adam and the lengthening, extendy, 
trot singing. So, do have a good weekend, and I hope you are all no worse for wear after Storm Freya. And please, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do take care, and we will speak soon. And that would be goodbye from Officer in Charge of Security, Queer. <laughs> Until Monday. Speak soon.